Welcome to I'm Telling, where we have real stories from real students. Our podcast features students from South Mountain Community College Storytelling Institute, located in Phoenix, Arizona. These stories are recorded live in a classroom setting with just one take. So my friends, tonight I am here to tell you the story of the unicorn. Now I'm sure you know this, that the unicorn is a very, very special animal. And the unicorn used to roam basically everywhere among the Arabian Peninsula. So in countries that today we call Saudi Arabia and Oman, that was the unicorn's habitat. That was where the unicorn lived. And the unicorn really was very unique still is actually, the unicorn still is very unique in ways that seem, well, magical, of course, because they're unicorns. It's said that unicorns can smell rainfall from far, far distances, and that when they smell the rainfall, they'll move from where they are to where the rainfall is, because where the rainfall is, means that there will be freshly growing grass. But the unicorns living in the Arabian Peninsula are very used to being in dry conditions. So they are very used to being able to conserve water internally very well. For instance, did you know that they can actually reabsorb moisture from their own feces before it falls to the ground. That's pretty special. It may not sound unicorn-like, but let me tell you, it is unicorn. Also, the unicorns, as I'm sure you know from your own imaginations, have those beautiful, beautiful white coats. Well, those white coats help them out there in the peninsula. It reflects the sun, helps them stay cool. But the fur on their tummies very, very thick, very full fur. And if you've ever been outdoors in the desert in the winter, you know those nights are cold. So the unicorn uses that very warm, thick fur to help him keep the warmth during those long winter nights when it's very, very chilly. So the unicorn is such a very, very unique animal. And I bet Maybe I'm telling you things about the unicorn you might not have already known. But there was a time in the early 1900s when the unicorn's numbers, those herds all over the peninsula, began to disappear. And there are reasons for that disappearance. And primarily, the reasons are, well, us. Around the 1920s is about when people started driving motor vehicles. And people started using high-powered, more modern weapons. So the people that used to hunt unicorns while riding camels with a rifle would take a shot, and if they missed, would have to, on top of their camel, reload, try to get another shot. But no, the unicorn by then had fled. For the unicorn was very fast and also had very wide hooves and could run over rocky terrain 
faster than we could follow him and our camels. Well, again, with those motor vehicles and those high-powered rifles, the herds of unicorn began to disappear. It got to the point where, in 1962, it was estimated that there were less than 100 unicorn living in the wild. Now, what I mean, of course, by a unicorn is an Arabian oryx. An Arabian oryx, as we know, defends himself or herself, one of the ways, by standing with its side to whatever predator is coming toward it. And by standing on its, with its side toward the predator, it becomes a much larger figure. Also, when it stands to the side, you see one horn extending from its head. And that, many, many people believe, is where the myth of the unicorn started, with the Arabian oryx. But let's get back to those hundred wild Arabian oryx left in the Arabian Peninsula. There was something else that was happening in 1962. Apart from only a hundred oryx being counted, there was a brand new zoo just opened in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, what do those two things have in common? Not much, you would think. But conservationists around the world were concerned about the Arabian oryx and the decline of its numbers. And it was decided that as many as possible wild Arabian oryx needed to be rounded up and brought to a captive breeding area to try to rebuild the population. And though it was a very, very young zoo, quite unproven by zoo standards, that herd, that breeding herd, was brought to Phoenix, Arizona. And it was brought to the Phoenix Zoo. Perfect climate for Arabian oryx. It's hot, it's dry, we can provide plenty of dirt and rocks for it to walk around on. The first group of Arabian oryx arrived here in 1962. Three animals, two females and one male. That's not much of a herd. So other animals needed to be located and brought. Well, there were some animals that were in sanctuaries or in zoos in other places. One from London, a couple from collectors, um, had their own private sanctuaries, Kuwait, in Saudi Arabia. Those animals were brought to the Phoenix Zoo. And so with nine Arabian oryx, the world herd, as it became known, started to be bred by the Phoenix zookeepers. Well, as it turns out, two of those animals turned out to be infertile. So now the entire future of the Arabian oryx rested on the slender horns of just seven animals. But there was great success. 53 years ago this month, the first calf was born at the Phoenix Zoo. It was a male. Subsequently, there were more calves. And those calves matured and grew up. And the herd slowly started to grow through the 60s 
into the 70s. Now in 1972, something happened that the world really took note of. The last wild Arabian oryx disappeared. And now the pressure was really on the Phoenix Zoo and that world herd. The Phoenix Zoo keepers never let the pressure get to them. They know, they knew that they were doing the very best they could for these animals. And they knew that they were doing a good job because the animals were still having calves. So in 1969, I believe it was, no, I'm sorry, 73, their count was actually up to 35 animals. So now 35 animals made up the world herd, and it was decided now by experts all around the world that perhaps these animals needed to be spread out a little more, moved to different zoos and sanctuaries around the country. Six animals went to the San Diego Zoo, and San Diego started their own breeding program. Well, they had a great success too. So happily, the numbers of the Arabian oryx in the United States started to grow. Eventually, the Phoenix Zoo started sending animals to zoos and sanctuaries all over the United States and back to Europe. Now here's the really successful part. In 1980, not even 20 whole years, the numbers of, of animals grew to 400. Still, these are captive Arabian oryx. And in 1983, the first Arabian oryx were transferred from Phoenix back to Jordan to live in a sanctuary there. Well, Jordan had their own breeding program that they got started and they did very well also. So well, all of this success is going on, but there are still very, very few Arabian oryx actually in the Arabian Peninsula. So as every zoo and every sanctuary around Europe and the United States kept having greater and greater success, they kept sending more and more of the Arabian oryx back to the Arabian Peninsula. Um, each country had its own way of having a sanctuary for them. And eventually, and this was a banner day for everyone, in 1990, there were Arabian oryx released out into the wild. Great success. Here's another really exciting moment for everybody involved. In 2011, the Arabian oryx was taken off the threatened list for extinction and put on the vulnerable list for extinction. Well, still not great. But I want to tell you that this year, 2019, the last assessment that was done by zoologists in the Arabian Peninsula counted 850 mature adult wild Arabian oryx. And in the zoos and sanctuaries all over the world, there are more than 6,000 Arabian oryx. In addition to those 800 wild oryx 
there are over 400 juveniles. So altogether now, the unicorns are making a comeback in their native habitat. And that is the story of the unicorn. If you are interested in learning how to become a storyteller, please visit our website at southmountaincc.edu forward slash storytelling.